the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Bakers on True Talk 800. Hello, friends. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 104.1 The Fish, 93.1 L Ray, Talk 1640, and 93.9 KPDQ, where my friend, mentor, and confidant, Georgine Rice, had a wonderful organization that she's become involved with. It's called Portland's Singing Christmas Tree. Not only hosting their 55th anniversary, but they're also going to be holding some choir auditions. So here to tell us all about Portland Singing Christmas Tree and these auditions, I'd like to welcome Wes Walterman, CEO, musical director, and more. How are you today, sir? That's quite a title. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. So what does the and more constitute? Oh, and more. Well, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and uh, I've been in the event industry for many years. I'm a father. I'm a husband. And um, I just love life. So there is a lot more than just the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. These are good things. So for people who might be newer to the area, could you tell us what is the big picture? Because when I think of Portland's Singing Christmas Tree, I think of one of the staples of the Pacific Northwest alongside Multnomah Falls and Voodoo <laughs> Donuts and Stumptown Coffee. Absolutely. So, so tell us about Portland's Singing Christmas Tree. What is the big picture? You know, it was born in 1962, 55 years ago. And a local church uh, put it on, and just a few people, a handful of people, and they ended up packing the place out. They moved to a high school gym, packed that place out several times, and then finally brought it downtown to the Keller Auditorium, where it's been, uh, I'd say, about 45 to 50 years downtown at the Keller Auditorium. And so uh, this organization is made up of a whole bunch of volunteers from actually 112 different churches around the area, a lot of denominations fill our choir, and uh, we, we produce a, an incredible, uh, more like a Broadway type of show every Christmas, Thanksgiving weekend, the weekend following, with about 350-piece uh, uh, cast that puts on this incredible production. So how long have you personally been involved with Portland Singing Christmas Tree, Wes? This will be my fifth season. And what roles have you held as a result of your joining? Uh, I came on as a CEO and the musical, musical director, and then I also brought Paul Willie on as an assistant director right away five years ago. And so he and I team up with the directing, and then we've brought in some incredible staff members uh, that work with our youth choir and uh, our young adult choir, as well as Greg Tamlin, one of the main producers here in town for, for many, many years. In fact, his latest was the uh, Beauty and the Beast downtown at the Newmark Theater in December of this last year. So he's part of our staff as our production coordinator and manager, and he's been on for over 20 years. So there's a lot of depth in our staff. Do you ever have any legacies? Do you have any people joining Portland Singing Christmas Tree whose mom, dad, parents, relatives were previously involved? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. We've got a lot of kids, younger people coming in, and uh, we've, we've had um, several choir members who've been in actually for over 30 years, which is pretty phenomenal. So who's got the longest tenure, I'm curious. 
her name is Carol, and she has been a part of it for 35 years. She sings in the tree structure itself. We have two different choirs, but we rehearse together. So when it comes to production time, we call it the in-tree. That's where 165 voices can fit inside the tree structure. And then we have another uh, 150 that are out of tree. So she's been an in-tree choir member for, oh, all these years, and just loves it. Talks it up all the time, and it's just part of her life. So as the CEO for several years, Wes Walterman, what exactly do you do with the organization? Is this more of a boots-on-the-ground role? Is it more marketing or sales-oriented? Well, that's a good question, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, this is just kind of a fall a fall gig for you, Wes, um, because, you know, it, it's produced and, and most of it happens in the month of November and the early part of December. But it, it really is a year long. We have a, a wonderful governing board. Uh, I'm financially responsible for the organization. It's a 501c3. I'm responsible for every dollar that comes in, every dollar that's spent, and we watch that very carefully. So there's a couple things throughout the year that we do to help uh, the money coffers so that we can produce an incredible show in the fall, as well as ticket sales, of course, that begin in in, uh, mid-summer. So do you ever get a break, or is this pretty much a year-round operation that you, you hold different duties in? No, I get a break. I get I, I get uh, quite a bit of breaks. It kind of comes as as a wave coming to the ocean. It's, it's either a huge wave kind of coming in nonstop, or it kind of uh, subsides a little bit. And so right now the wave is in. We're we're preparing for auction. We're preparing music for the 2018 season. I've listened to uh, about four hours worth of Christmas music yesterday. I, I listened to ten hours the day before. I was stuck on an airplane going to the East Coast and back. So whenever I get a chance, I'm listening to potential choir songs. And then we have to put all that together, form our choir by the summer. So there's some months that are a little bit slower, some months that are that are pretty, pretty busy. And, and so this just happens to be one of the months where it's fairly busy. Next month's not too bad. The following month's not too bad. And then we start gearing up for summer and for our uh, choir kickoff. We are speaking with Wes Walterman, CEO, musical director, and more of Portland's Singing Christmas Tree, celebrating its 55th anniversary. Make sure that you follow Portland Singing Christmas Tree on Facebook, and more information is available at the website, singingchristmastree.org. That's singingchristmastree.org, which I'll leave linked to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. And if you'd like information on scheduling an audition, make sure that you give them a call at 503-244-1344. That's 503-244-1344. Or email info at singingchristmastree.org. So, Wes, tell us, what exactly is Portland Singing Christmas Tree looking for when it comes to holes in the choir that need to be filled? Uh, I'm always looking for... For choir members, potential choir members, we have over 500 that are part of our choir, but not all 500 can participate every year. There's a lot of different family issues or work issues related to some of these members that, you know, they can be in it for one or two years in a row and then they have to skip a year or so. So we, we never really know coming into the season who's on, who's off until about August, September. And so uh, we hold auditions every year and we usually uh, promote that through our, our program. Um, you know, uh, during the show, our, our show program, and just a little little clip, little ad saying, hey, if, if you like what you're hearing tonight or at this production, well, why don't you reach out to us and uh, maybe you could be part of this choir. And I, I got to tell you, Mike, it's it's way more fun being on the other side of the stage than it is listening to everything. It's so much more fun to be on the stage, in the tree, in, 
in the choir and and singing these amazing songs and watching the the audience's uh, interaction with the choir. It's it's so much fun to be on the singing part of it. And celebrating your 55th anniversary as a nonprofit, tell us what would one expect year to year from Portland Singing Christmas Tree? How much of the show is a necessary constant? Everybody needs to hear this song versus how do you change throughout the years without losing your core audience? Yeah, so let me back up four years ago. Um, so I came in, and the number the number one kind of complaint I, I was hearing at the time was, hey, so many songs are repeated year after year. I'll, I'll skip two or three years, and then I'll come back and, and hear it again. And by that time, uh, it'll be a different show. So I was like, oh, I need to change everything. So that, that's what I did. I, I changed everything drastically. I still kept the first half secular. I kept the second half uh, sacred, but I changed all the songs and, and just to feel the whole show. And so I had a lot of people love it, and then I had a lot of people say, "Hey, you changed it too fast. What's going on? You know, we can't handle change that fast." And so I was reminded of a of a pastor up in Alaska. He took on a new church uh, position as a pastor, and so the first Sunday before church began, he moved the piano from stage right all the way to stage left. And so after that service, he had so many people bombarding him after the service saying, hey, what is going on with the piano? It used to be on this side of the stage. We're used to it being on this side of the stage. And why would you move it? Why would you come here on the first Sunday, you move the piano to the other side of the stage? We can't handle this. So he apologized. He moved the piano back. But what he didn't tell anybody is that every Saturday evening, he would come in before Sunday morning, and he would move the piano one foot. One foot one week, one foot the next. And within two months, the piano was exactly where he wanted it positioned. So what I learned from that is, you know, you can change, but take change a little bit slowly, especially with the variety of people that come to our show from the old to the young. And, uh, you know, just listen to your audience. And so what we did is we, we backed up a little bit two years ago and last year. And so to answer your question, I kind of went a long ways around that question, but to answer your questions, we always look to keep at least four or five songs the same, ones that were were incredible. So we, we bring those back. I go back about 10 to 15 years, and I say, what did they do 15 years ago that was fantastic by then? Can we take a couple of songs from that era and bring them back? And so that's what we're doing again this year. Also, I'm looking for brand new songs. And so I'm always looking for brand new songs. And songs, if they move me, it, it, it takes a lot to move me with a song. I, I listen to maybe 100 songs before I find one out of the 100 that I say, this will work for a choir the choir will get excited about this. This will work for our audience. They'll get excited about this. This fits in with either the secular part or the sacred part, and we're going to make this happen. So um, I found a great collection of some incredible songs this year. It's going to be one of the best years for for just the collection of, and different varieties of music uh, throughout the show. We're looking forward to hearing more from Wes Walterman, CEO, musical director, and more of Portland Singing Christmas Tree, celebrating its 55th anniversary and also holding choir auditions. You can email them for more info at info at singingchristmastree.org or give them a call at 503-244-1344. That's 503-244-1344. When we return, more with Wes Walterman, and we'll find out more about Portland's Singing Christmas Tree right here on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Mike Lee here, very excited to host the CEO and musical director, Wes Walterman from Portland Singing Christmas Tree, 
celebrating its 55th anniversary and also holding choir auditions with more information by giving them a call at 503-244-1344. You may also email them to schedule an audition at info at singingchristmastree.org. Their website is singingchristmastree.org. And make sure that you follow Portland's Singing Christmas Tree on Facebook. So, Wes Walterman, thank you again, not only for what you do for this nonprofit group at Portland Singing Christmas Tree, but for the stories that you're sharing and opening up auditions to the public. What a wonderful thing to do, especially with a wonderful staple of the Pacific Northwest that's been around for such a long time. So, earlier on, we were asking about legacies and families that continue the tradition of working with Portland Singing Christmas Tree. So I want to ask you, do you have any other common threads? Yeah, I actually do, Mike. This is when I first took on the uh, the role of CEO and director almost five years ago now. One of the ladies in the choir, she comes up to me and she said, you know, um, I've got a nephew that lives in Hollywood. He writes, he writes music and um, he wants to get in touch with you, have some coffee and ask you if he can do anything for the tree this year, writing-wise. And sometimes you know how, how that is. When people say, hey, I've got this person I need you to meet, you know. Is it tough to fight a little skepticism? It is. I, I'm a little apprehensive and because um, a lot of times people talk other people up much more than they should. And so I thought, you know, I'll get a good cup of coffee out of this deal, I'm sure, and I'll, I'll get to meet someone brand new. But I kind of doubt if this guy can write write the type of music that – I would want to use in one of our shows, but here I'll, I'll do it anyways. So I ended up uh, getting hold of him. His name is Stefan Schmid, and uh, he comes from Hollywood. So we're having coffee, and I said, you know, "Stefan, what do you what do you exactly do? You write music?" I was told. He says, "Yeah, I, I write music for various movies and and TV shows here in Hollywood." And this guy's young. I mean, he's in his. It looks like he's in his mid twenties. And uh, the more he talked, the more intrigued I was. And I said, "You know what?" I want to do something with you. And he said, well, what, are you, what are you thinking? Is there a song? What you, you want a brand new song? You want me to maybe rewrite one of the, one of the ones that have, have some life left to it, but it's a little bit old? And I said, no, no, no. I want to do something brand new. I want to do a living cinematic nativity. I said, usually we wrap our second half into one song with the nativity. We have Mary Joseph come down the aisle with baby Jesus, and it all happens within a three and a half minute song. But I want to create, I want to create something that's, cinematic in, in, in nature and just very moving and is about a 25 to 30 minute piece. And I want to utilize current uh, Christmas carols so that it's, it, it's familiar with, with people. He says, I'm on it. He says, I'll give you some pieces as I work through the summer and let's see how this goes. So I get this email about a month later. He says, all right, here's the intro. I want to introduce the intro uh, of what I've put together so far. And what I heard blew my socks off. I was like, Wow can this be possible? Is this really happening? And so the more we went through the summer and the more Greg Tamlin and I listened to his material, it, it became very apparent this is going to be the showcase of the entire show. The entire show for the 51st year is going to be wrapped around the cinematic living nativity. And so we started, um, our, we started our marketing campaign and we really marketed, hey, we have a 25-minute a cinematic living nativity. And so by the end of it, it, it was moving. The choir learned their pieces. We recorded our album that October, and we debuted this this nativity and that year's show. And it was the talk of the town. It was incredible. In fact, 
we had an email from one of the wives and her husband had attended. She she emailed us at the office. She said, I want to tell you something that happened during the nativity. She said, you know, my husband and I were, were just really struggling marriage-wise. And she said, after the show, we were heading back to the car. And the husband said, you know what? I want to stop us right here. I, I, I was, I want to become what Joseph was on that stage to you in real life. And she, she was like, what? He says, I haven't treated you right. I want to, I want to treat you the way Joseph treated Mary during the nativity. And so just, just that little snippet of it, it really changed a life of a, of a couple and so many other people that were, were moved to tears during what happened. Um, you know, there's camels coming down the aisles. There's wise men. There's Mary, Joseph. They got a 250 voice choir singing these amazing, amazing anthems of Christmas. And uh, so it was a great experience of of actually reaching out and um, just seeing seeing what he what Stefan could do for us. I'm so glad you took that cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. It was a wonderful cup of coffee. But much more, much more uh, better. Just just getting to know Stefan and, and uh, what he produced for us there at that show. Wes Walterman is the CEO and musical director, and he wears plenty of other hats for Portland's Singing Christmas Tree. Follow them on Facebook. And check out the website for some more great visuals at singingchristmastree.org. That's singingchristmastree.org, celebrating its 55th anniversary. And check it out. They're looking for singers to join them for this year's production, returning to the Keller Auditorium. So, Wes, tell us about your experience at such an epic hall as the Keller Auditorium. Is it just still as mind-numbing today as it was when you first began at the Keller? Yeah, it really is. So uh, four years ago, there's it, nothing like going down in the pit with a huge orchestra and looking up on the stage at this enormous tree structure and all these musicians all across this huge stage and looking behind you at this wonderful auditorium wrapped in red uh, velvet seats. And uh, it's been there for over 100 years. And uh, just the downbeat and what that feels like when the orchestra starts to play and the singers start to sing and the applause of the people, you know, behind us. And um, so what happened after that first year is when I took it on, it was, it was in debt. It was, there was quite a bit of debt associated with the tree. And so to, in order to get it out of debt, I had to take it out of downtown. I know it was kind of shocking. Here's something that was a staple, just like Voodoo Donuts, just like uh, the coffee place that you mentioned earlier in the, in the broadcast. And... Um, what happened is we took it to a local church on the east side to get out of debt. And so we were there for two years at New Hope Community Church off the 205 in Sunnyside. And we love that church. It's a, it's a so great granted, church. It's like moving your ball team out of Yankee Stadium. Yes, but it was. How was your experience with our friends at New Hope Community Church? It was wonderful. They were very warm, accepting, wonderful parking area. The church was large enough to incorporate the tree onto its stage. In fact, we put several huge holes in their stage, so when we get down to the concrete, <laughs> I know. So, so the not staff too many like, churches are tall enough to handle Portland singing right, Christmas tree, right? Because it's about a forty-foot structure, and uh, but New Hope was, and uh, I've been—I was music minister there all through the '90s for for ten years with Dale Galloway and and Ray Cotton back in the days. So to come back to my home was phenomenal, and it that auditorium's always seemed so huge, but when you put the tree on the stage and it comes out quite a bit, it, it starts to shrink the room. Uh, but what we heard from audience members that came was it's very intimate. It's incredible. We're, there's no way to drape off the front. So the audience members actually watched the choir 
enter the tree. That was a new thing that's never been seen for 52 years. So that was a first for the tree is to kind of be exposed in that fashion. But we made the best of it. And um, it really helped us to get a much better financial area in our 501c3 organization so that we could return to the Keller. That's our goal is to return to the Keller, be financially healthy, and to stay downtown because this is really where the tree needs to be is downtown. And we were able to do that last year and coming into the 55th year as well. So was it a great undertaking for you, Wes Walterman, to help the team of a nonprofit group like Portland Singing Christmas Tree get out of debt? I could imagine that that must have been a huge undertaking. Yeah, it was, it was one of the largest undertakings I've ever, I've ever been a part of. But it's, it's just not one person. It's, it's a whole host of people and the organization itself, the board of trustees, our staff, and just really watching every dollar that's spent in this last year. We were able to get out. So we, we end our show about 7 p.m., and we have to be out by 6 a.m. the next morning because the ballet comes in. And so there's all these union rules, and, all, and a lot of money is spent on union labor uh, setting the tree up and taking the tree down and putting in 53-foot trailers that are, that are parked in, in parking lots around town. Um, so we were able to be out by 1 a.m. It's never been done before. Um, so just that, just those little things. And this year, the tree usually spins 180. It's on this large turntable. It'll it'll turn the tree. But this year, to save money, we decided we're just going to not turn it. It's going to sit on the ground. And so just these little things to say, we care enough about this organization that we are going to do everything financially possible to make sure that we return the next year and that we return, not only return, but return downtown. And so that's what we're going to be doing again. So welcome back to the Keller Auditorium. That's just incredible. It's Portland Singing Christmas Tree, and they're looking for singers to join them for this year's 55th anniversary production. Auditions are going to be held several times in July, so make sure your audition is in place and on their calendar by emailing info at singingchristmastree.org. That's info at singingchristmastree.org. You can also call to set up an audition at 503 503- Two four four one three four four. That's five zero three two four four thirteen forty four. And follow Portland Singing Christmas Tree on Facebook as well. When we return, more with Wes Walterman on Difference Makers on True Talk eight hundred. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk eight hundred. My name is Mike Lee, and my special guest across the desk is Wes Walterman. He is the musical director and CEO of Portland's Singing Christmas Tree, the nonprofit group celebrating its 55th anniversary. They're even holding choir auditions. So to find out more or to schedule your audition, call 503-244-1344. That's 503-244-1344. You may also send them an email at info at singingchristmastree.org. So, as CEO and musical director, Wes Walterman, thanks so much for coming in and representing your nonprofit group. Oh, you're today. welcome. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's an absolute privilege. I, I look at Portland Singing Christmas Tree as one of the must see events. I would agree. Of the entire Pacific you. Northwest when right. it comes down to it. So, earlier on, you were discussing the spiritual aspects versus the secular aspects. So, what exactly is the target audience, so to speak, of Portland Singing Christmas Tree, and what devices or methods do you use to keep that balance afloat? You know, that's, that's a hard balance because we're, we're in a public venue downtown, and there's a lot of different shows that come through. Uh, we are made up of uh, primarily a lot of Christians from various churches around the area that just want to collect their voices together and sing and pr- produce an incredible production 
that's Christ-centered, and that's what we do. But there's also the element of we don't want to leave anyone out. And my full-time job outside of the, this is not a full-time job for me. My full-time job is, is I work in the event industry. I, uh, I have a pipe and drape company. I, I rent rental furniture. I rent LED artificial illuminated trees for events, for weddings. I'm at a lot of different campuses from here up to Seattle every, every week. And so um, what, what I experience here is there's a lot of non-Christians out there, and I work just, along, just as well alongside a non-Christian as I do a Christian. And when I think of the show itself, I want to be able to invite a non-Christian person into the show and have them, have them uh, enjoy it so much that their heartstrings are moved, but, but not push anything down their throat and, and not want them to never come back. So I want them to have an, a positive experience. And so we've developed a show around, around just that, that a non-Christian person, a person that's just really far away from the Lord, can come and sit right in a seat next to a Christian person, maybe attends church twice a week, uh, has, has known the Lord for all their um, 30, 40, 50 years, and um, their walk is much different than the other person sitting next to them. But when they see the show, each is moved in a different way to where when it's finished, they go, wow, this is what I gained from this, what I experienced during this show. Uh, I want to tell my friends. I want to come back. So the first, the first uh, segment of our show, the first half of our show is very secular. We have Santa Claus come out. We have Frosty. We do a lot of Christmas carols that are not uh, Christ-based, and uh, we just have a lot of fun with that. Uh, we're going to do the Parade of the, of the Wooden Soldiers with the Jefferson Dancers this year. Uh, so a lot of elements that you would you would find at the Rockette Show in New York, you're going to find in the first part of this show. Now the second the second part of our show um, is is a bit more um, sacred. So we have our our 30 minute uh, living cinematic nativity that that showcases exactly. We take it from scripture from Luke, and uh, there's narration that goes with that as well as as music. But it it's a great representation of what we've grown up in the church all our lives believing. And, and sing and, and plays on our church st- um, stages and the kids stay, you know, playing on their, on their stages of, of Mary, baby, Jesus, uh, Joseph, Wiseman, and that. We also do a, a, a few uh, gospel numbers uh, that, that are Christ-centered, and uh, the second half is very moving, and uh, it, it gets into depth with uh, Christ's love for us, his love, his peace, the joy that he gives— and uh, acceptance. And so that's kind of how we end our show this year is going to be on the word peace. And uh, we want to make sure that peace leaves with everybody that comes to our show so they can come out. Because this is a pretty turbulent world we live in. And sure. so uh, to our Christmas show, you think, oh, we're going to sing some Christmas carols and yada yada, and I'll go to dinner after the show. But what they leave with is is feeling love and acceptance and peace and joy. And they're ready to begin their Christmas season. I love the fact that you're reaching out and not simply preaching to the choir when you work with Portland Singing Christmas Tree, Wes. So I want to change gears here and ask you, how was it working with my pal Georgine Rice? Man, I love I love working with Georgine Rice. Um, so she she interviews uh, us as well be, before some of our events. We do a big hymn sing in May, and that's that's something that we we produce at New Hope. And it's just one performance. We have about 150 voice choir that sings hymns, and so we have 2,500 people that come to that. It's free, and so do she, we have a, a date and a venue for this year? Yeah, it's event? May 20th, New Hope Community Church. Wonderful. Yeah, and they they can get their tickets um, 
right away if they want. And it's free to the community. We have a big chicken dinner beforehand that's $10. And so she helps us promote that. She's also part of the show. So she's going to be doing a Brooklyn Tab number that just came out this last year called Pray. And so she'd be singing that with a 150-voice choir along with Timothy Greenidge and some other artists. But she's also great because not only uh, does she interview great, and she's just a wonderful spirit, wonderful person, but she has the most amazing alto voice a person has ever heard. And her spirit is behind that voice. And so she was part of our show this last year and did a, did a few songs, one Joy to the World from the Whitney Houston version from The Preacher. She also did um, Don't Save It All for Christmas and just really moves the audience every time she opens her voice. And, and she just loves this organization. She loves the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. She's been a part of it for many years, and it's it's an honor that she's still part of this. And I know she enjoys it as well. So Yeah, she really does. You've got some real heavy hitters to work with. <laughs> we do. So I'm, I'm very thankful to hear not only about these auditions and about, and about Portland Singing Christmas Tree's being at the Keller Auditorium, but also about this May 20th event coming to New Hope Community Church. Yeah. So are you expecting a big crowd this year as well? Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, these crowds are primarily other church churches coming uh, to get a whole bunch of hymns. Uh, I've noticed something in a local church is that hymns are, are disappearing. Not, not totally, but uh, there's a lot of new, great, incredible praise music that's coming out. And so they tend to be doing these newer courses and forgetting some of the hymns. And so... This is one time a year, one night, where we say all we're doing is hymns. And so we're going to sing 25 hymns of the church, Holy, 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 Amazing Grace, Crown with Many Crowns, Praise Him, Praise Him, on and on and on. And what we do is we invite the congregation to sing with us. And so they break out in four-part harmonies. There's some periods of time that we as a choir don't sing, and we just let the congregation sing. So you can imagine 2,500 people singing the third verse of Holy, 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 and it is moving beyond beyond words. And this is our third season to do that. What a brilliant idea, Wes yeah. Walterman. Wes is the CEO and musical director of Portland's Singing Christmas Tree. And we're very much looking forward to the hymn sing at New Hope Community Church on May 20th. So, Wes, I have to ask you, in your ideal church service, we understand that music is only a part of our worship and that our yeah. lives should worship. And part of that should be hearing the Word of God, learning more about the Word of God and prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all other things aside, what would your ultimate set be on any given Sunday morning at a church service? Would it be more hymn-oriented, more of a mix, more contemporary, more orchestra, more a cappella, or what? I would do just just the type of mix that we do at the Portland St. Christmas Tree. I'd open with uh, an incredible opener— that's familiar, that's been around for a little while. Maybe a little while is maybe two months, three months. We've been singing it a while, but we're going to do a big opener. I would involve as many people as I can. So I'd have, I would definitely have a choir. My choir would be between 80 and 100. That You're talking about ideal, right, in my head? Go for it. They would come from the back of the room as the, as the band plays, as the opener. They would come right down all the aisles. They'd switch up onto the stage, be in place. We'd do this big opener together. Then I would probably... You're, you're, what kind of a band am I looking at? Am I looking, looking at, at a, a full concert band, yeah, yeah. a 200-piece string orchestra? Okay. Am I looking at bass, drums, and piano? Or All right. D- d- fill I, out I, this picture in my head. I have a medium stage. So I've got a piano. I've got a B3 organ. I've got keys that will do uh, string reduction scores. I've got brass. I've got a trumpet. I've got a bone. I've got two saxophone players. Kind of like the, you know, the Chicago-type brass. You know, the, and I've got maybe a couple strings as well, maybe a, a two, two violins, one viola, and a cello on the other side of the stage. So 
So for the slower courses, you're going to have some strings intermixed with the string reduction from the keyboard. For the upbeat stuff, you're going to have some brass playing through. So that's, that's the kind of band we're looking at. And, of course, we're going to do one hymn. Um, uh, it could be traditional. It could be repackaged. Repackaged means, to me, same melody, different chords throughout the whole hymn. So it just it's just modernized a little bit. But yet, you can sing the same melody of the hymn. Uh, and it'd be, it'd be some, some pretty, pretty darn good music coming out of that. I'm hearing that, that in, in my head, Wes Walterman of Portland singing Christmas Tree. So let's just say that you were in charge of running worship for my church service on Sunday. And I said, mm-hmm. Wes, you've got time for five or eight songs. Mm-hmm. What would some of your all-time favorites be? And how many of those would be hymns versus more modern contemporary worship tunes? Wow, wow. Those are good questions. I, I definitely pull a couple of Chris Tomlin songs out. Um He's had a couple in the last couple of years that have been moving. He's definitely one of one of the great rangers. I definitely pull something out if we're to do a, a choir piece from a Brooklyn Tab or a Christchurch or or one of the big ones down in, in South Texas. Uh, uh, that would be that would be uh, incredible as well. And um, we would just have a lot of fun. It'd be a variety, so it won't be one type of music. It'd be a lot of varieties. You know, you just can't please everybody, and that's kind of what I've been learning in life. And you definitely can't please everyone when it comes to music. But you can put enough variety in one service to appease a lot of different parts of your congregation that that are there for the message, and they're there to maybe listen to the music because, face it, Mike, the music nowadays is so high. I'm a bass. There is no way I can sing a tenor a tenor part or a melody to these songs. So majority of the time I sit there and I worship, but I don't really sing. I just can't. I just can't get my voice that high, and so I, I would be putting it in a key to where the average person could, could sing it, and we would worship together. My my part of worship is it's not going to be a spectator show. Someone on the stage, us down in the congregation, and you know, twenty minutes with a fog machine, some cool lights, and incredible sound, and the bass that kind of thumps in your chest. My part of worship is let's get in a key where everyone can sing it, and let's throw a couple key changes in. When's the last time we've sung a song with a, with a key change in it? In a church service, it's been a long time, and so um, that's that's what I'd be doing. I want everyone to worship, just not the people on the stage lifting their hands. I want to in the last row of the church. I want to be lifting my hands. I want to be participating, even though it's dark where I am. I'm standing. I want to feel like I'm part of the whole thing. And so to do that, um, those are some suggestions I would do in a church service if I were leading worship at your church. And how do you prevent the congregation from being spectators? Do you verbally invite them to oh, stand yes. on the next song? Do, oh, totally. Do you, do you raise your hands? How do you do that? How do you do there, excellent worship music without the congregation just sitting all there you with their do, hands full? All you got to do, and I don't hold an instrument. If I were leading, I wouldn't hold an instrument. It's just my hands. It's just me behind a microphone. I would, I would personally, I'd reach out to them. I'd say, come on, let's sing this, let's sing this next chorus together. I want to bring out all the harmonies. Come on, let's sing it loud. And that's how that's how you get people participating. Is you look to the left, you look to the straight straight ahead, you look to the right. You eye contact, you connect with the people out there. You don't leave them in this dark box in front of you. You connect with everybody, and you say, "Let's sing it together. Let's do this verse together." In fact, instruments. Why don't you just why don't you just not play at this point? I just want to hear our voices, and that's how you get people to participate. People like to hear their own voice. Well, I'd say not everyone likes to hear their, but people. And the congregation like to hear themselves sing. And if you can't hear the, yourself sing, you, you tend to back off and not do anything. Making connections is 
just one of the gifts of CEO and musical director <laughs> Wes Walterman of Portland's Singing Christmas Tree, holding choir auditions for its 55th anniversary performance, coming to the Keller Auditorium. And mark this date on your calendar, friends. It'll be Saturday, May 20th, dinner beginning at 4.30 at New Hope Auditorium with special guests, including our own Georgine Rice for the 2017 Hymn Sing. When we return, more with Wes Walterman of Portland Singing Christmas Tree with more information online at singingchristmastree.org. That's singingchristmastree.org. Thanks so much for joining Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and our very special guest in the studio represents the 55th anniversary of one of the staples to me of the Pacific Northwest, which is Portland's Singing Christmas Tree holding choir auditions. And if you'd like to find out more, Check out their website, singingchristmastree.org. That's singingchristmastree.org. Follow Portland Singing Christmas Tree on Facebook. And if you'd like to schedule an audition, you can give them a call at 503-244-1344. That's 503-244-1344. So, Wes Walterman, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing some of the other side of Portland Singing Christmas Mm -hmm. Tree that we might be less familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me here. How fitting it is that your 2017 hymn sing is coming May 22, New Hope Auditorium, yeah. which served as your home for a couple of years, as you and Portland singing Christmas tree were addressing financial issues. Mm-hmm. So are you doing okay right now? Or as a 501c3 nonprofit, if there are listeners out there who feel so led and want to make contributions, what's the best way to help out your organization? That's great. They can, go, they can call the number you uh, suggested or go to the info at singingchristmastree.org and, and uh, talk to someone. And you know, they, we, we take checks or, or credit cards. And just know that the money going uh, really goes to the production of this year's 55th you know, annual Singing Christmas Tree. So we got a certain budget for him sing. And... Um, we reach out with, with a few sponsors around town and a couple individuals that give toward that, but that's definitely not a moneymaker for us. It's more of an outreach. This is a need I see in the community for more hymns, and let's let's fill that need, and so that's what we do. We're not out to make any money on that at all. And in fact, for the Portland Sing Christmas, we're not out to make money. We just want to cover our costs in the fall so we can return the next year. You know, it's it's expensive to be at the Keller. But well, I can't place, imagine how yeah, much it might it, cost any group, cheap. much less a nonprofit group, right. to maintain ongoing presence from year to year at the Keller. Yeah. It's not like you're doing one show and off. How many right. shows are you doing each year? Well, we do 11 back-to-back for two weekends. And um, three years ago, four years ago, we love giving back to our community. So four years ago, came up with this crazy idea of let's give back to our local high school choir music. Um, so what we did is we invite one choir for every performance. So there's 11 different high school choirs from all around Portland and Vancouver that come for our production or for each production. And so uh, what they do is they have a five minute segment in our show and they, and they sing and then they come with us and they come back on the stage for a gospel number with our, with our kids choir. And at the very end, they come back for the Hallelujah chorus and we give them a check for $750 to go back toward their music department, however they want to spend it, whether they want to spend on new music, file cabinets, um, you know, it could be music stands. It could be, Funding their uh, spring concert tour, whatever, whatever it is, and so that has been so popular, and it's been such. We've had two thousand eight hundred eighty-three kids come across our stage in the last four years. We've given close to forty thousand dollars back to our local high school uh, departments, and it's just wonderful to, to involve them, and they love being on the Keller stage. First time for, I'd say ninety-five percent of them. That's the first time ever to stand in front of a stage 
on a stage in front of 2,500 people that are out in the, in the Keller Auditorium. So that's been a great outreach ministry for us. Is there a waiting list for just 11 yes. performances per year? There is. How do you choose one high school choir there is. among so many candidates? You know, Greg Tamlin takes, takes that project on. He does a great job and just interviews the choir directors and finds out about their choirs. And it's hard to, to just keep it at 11. So we do have a waiting list. So um, this last year, I think uh, five brand-new choirs that have never been there from the previous two years were, were allowed back on the stage with us. And we have returning choirs as well. Just really love to be part of the show. And how far out are these high schools represented? Where are they coming from? Are they all downtown Portland or what? Uh, we've had them up to Evergreen. Uh, we've had them out to, like, David Douglas and, and Gresham. We've had them out to Hillsboro. Uh, I believe there's one that came from um, uh, Sherwood. Um, down towards Salem. So that's, that's pretty far-reaching for high schools. And how large is the average high school choir that joins Portland Singing Christmas Tree? Uh, we've had them as large as 100, uh, and they're, I'd say the average is about 60, 50 to 60 that will come in and be on our stage. What a wonderful experience yeah. for a high school kid right. to get. Yeah, it's it's great. And then I interview I interview the uh, choir director and just kind of find out what what's coming up in their in their program. What are they doing this Christmas season? So it, it's a chance for them to kind of market themselves a little bit and say, "Hey, here's what we're doing in the next couple of weeks." I love what you've done with Portland Singing Christmas Tree, especially with its 55th anniversary coming to the Keller Wes Walterman. So I want to change gears a bit. Yeah, tell me about yourself. Where did you grow up? Uh, born in Illinois, grew up in Southern California, moved to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in 1978, where I attended uh, junior highs. Into, into high school, two years of college, then moved to uh, Seattle, where I went to Northwest College. It was a Assembly of God-based college back then, and then over to Portland. Been here ever since, um, with the exception of moving, going down to uh, San Diego for five years at a Skyline Church. It's a church that John Maxwell used to be pastor of, so I was their music director for five years, starting 2000-2005, then returned back to Portland. I have four kids, uh, married 30 years uh, this November, Let's see what else. Um, have a music degree. I actually used my music degree for about 25 years in local church music ministry. So uh, I'm one of those that, yeah, I got a degree and then I actually used it. So it's uh, it served me well. You went to a Christian college. Did you grow up in a church-going family? I did. My uh, my parents were both Christians. My dad was associate pastor at a church. And my love of music came came about that time. I, I played the, the sousaphone, tuba, through high school. That's kind of where I learned to, to read music. Joined their local high school choir, had a love for that. And then I remember one night on a Wednesday night service at our church, uh, at a prayer meeting, I felt I need to go down. So I I went down, and during this this time of prayer, I felt so compelled that I need to make a difference in church music. And so that's what I strove for ever since that day, is making a difference however I can, whatever way I can, small, even if it's just a minute way in church music. And so... I feel like I've, I've done that over the last 25 years. So as a pastor's kid or a PK, yeah. when did your faith become your own, Wes? I would say, I would say when I was um, a junior in, in high school. It became my own. So um, those are pivotal years. Was this a gradual staircase for you? Was there any specific incident or experience which pushed you over the edge or what? It, it was a time of, of prayer, and I just felt like the Lord was was telling me I need to do this, and he, he would, his spirit was on me so heavy that night. I just remember it. I said, I can't go any other, because I really wanted to be airline pilot. I wanted to, I wanted to fly, I wanted to try, fly 747s, 777s. I wanted to do all that, but I felt like, you know, I need to go in the music, area of music. Uh, 
I, I, I was in church. I was pretty much almost born in church, and I used to sleep under the pews uh, during the messages when I was a kid and played hide-and-seek in churches and went to Sunday school and, and vacation Bible school. I did all that. But when I was 16, that's when I really felt a calling on my life that God had given me uh, in the area of music, and so I followed that. And we're also glad that you did. So I'd like to thank you for not only serving as the CEO and musical director and then some of Portland Singing Christmas Tree, Wes Walterman, but also for holding choir auditions for the exciting 55th anniversary coming to the Keller Auditorium. If you'd like to schedule your audition, give a call to 503-244-1344. That's 503-244-1344. Or email them at info at singingchristmastree.org. That's info at singingchristmastree.org. And don't forget about the upcoming 2017 Hymn Sing, Saturday, May 20th at New Hope Auditorium. Dinner begins at 4.30, and special guests include our very own Georgine Rice. Wes, is there anyone else you'd send a shout-out to or thank you to on our way out? Just thanks to all those uh, kind of contemplating, should I be part of this choir? It's, it's an easy process, and I look forward to meeting you. It's not every day that these opportunities arise, so at least have the conversation. That's my suggestion. Yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. So, Wes, besides what you do for Portland Singing Christmas Tree, what's the name of your company that you work for full-time? Wes West Coast Drape, and uh, now it's called Quest Events. QuestEvents.com is the website. That's QuestEvents.com. And what type of customers would prefer finding out more about Quest Events? Oh, if you're going to get married and need some... Pipe and Drape, we call it Pipe and Drape, or if you're uh, an event planner, planning an event, you can reach out to Quest Events. No need to write it down, friends. Just go to truetalk800.com, and I'll leave these links on the Difference Makers page. Thank you so much for joining us today, Wes Walterman of Portland Singing Christmas Tree. Thanks, Mike. And thank you for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.